Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Hi, Corinne. Hey, Dom. So I thought it'd be really fun this time is going into saying you actually did a couple of years ago, which was a whole lot of research around creative thinking. Uh, known as Supermind or the Science of Aha. Yeah. So why? what was it and why did you look at that? Yeah, it, it's a good one. It ended up being a four-year, probably close to five-year project. And um, it started because we did some number crunching around leadership impact on Australia-New Zealand mm. sample, very large sample. We looked at 6,500 leaders impact. And... What we found was that leaders who had a defensive impact had a negative impact, right? So they inhibited change, they caused 60% more stress, they would cause much more people to want to leave, none of which was surprising. Right. What was surprising was that 70% of that data set were not perceived to be visionary. 70%. That's high. 71%, really high. I would have expected over 50%, but 71% was a bit too high. So rather than just kind of discover this statistic and then move on and say, oh, isn't that bad, (laughs) I got pretty intrigued with why that might be. And at the time that that was happening when we had that data, Dr. Tricia Stratford, who is a neuropsychotherapist and was lecturing a couple of unis, I listened to her talk about her PhD research where she was looking at what happens between client and therapist Mm -hmm. and what happens in the space between. And she had connected the client and the therapist to an EEG machine and heart rate. Oh, it measures the brain waves. Right. Okay. okay sorry. Um, so, <laughs> oh, gosh. Not all of us are up I on know. this. <laughs> so you wired up different parts of the the brain mm-hmm. in order to measure brain wave activity okay. as they were having a therapy session. Uh-huh. So she could see the brain wave activity in the client's brain and the therapist's brain. She also filmed the session. Now, what happened at one point. So she had something like 180 hours worth of brainwave data. Right. And in the talk that I was listening to, she realized on video that when the client had an insight, their eyes kind of went back, you know, they just looked up. And so she froze that moment in the brainwave data to look at what was happening. And so she talked about there being three levels of mind mm-hmm. and each of our levels of mind, state of mind, could be reflected, are reflected in brainwave activity, different brainwave activity. Okay. And so just the 101 on brainwaves. Yeah, sure. There are, there are, <laughs> um, so fundamentally you've got delta brainwaves, which are slow and full, and they're usually what is going on when we're asleep. Okay. Okay. So they're slow. So hopefully there's no delta brainwaves going on right now. Yeah, that's my joke every time I talk about this in a workshop. (laughs) Then there's theta brainwaves, which are a bit faster than delta, but there's still that kind of hypnagogic state 
and my, word. I like that. I know. Nagogic. It's not mine. It's Trisha's. But the, the analogy that I give is, you know, when you're kind of half asleep, half awake. Okay. And that's theta brain waves. And then you've got alpha brain wave, which is you're alert and you're relaxed. So pretty chill, but you're awake and you're attending. Mm-hmm. Then you've got beta brain waves, which is the busy beta, what happens when we're focused and we're working and, you know, at about school it starts to dominate our brain waves. We're about 12. Right. You think about what happens at 12, you start to go into high school and uh-huh. so you start focusing. Then the fastest brainwave activity is gamma brainwaves. And what they've seen in other research is that just before we have an aha moment, our brain seems to light up with gamma brainwaves. Okay. So Trish talked about first level of mind being fragmented mind. So this is when we're under stress. We can be foggy. We can be scatty. We tend to make dumb decisions or bad decisions, ill-considered, reactive, survival brain. And then the next level of brain she called focus mind, which is the you slow down, you start to be more solution-oriented rather than problem-centered. You feel like you've got the ability to really be present with someone and pay attention and listen to what they're saying. So is that kind of like a flow state? People talk about being in flow. I think flow is more that third level of mind, okay. but it is, it is a flow state. Getting towards there. Yeah, it's getting towards there. And then the third level of mind, Trisha, called supermind. And mm-hmm. what happens at supermind is she saw that the part of the brain called the parietal gets, got really active in, in her research. So when she talked about supermind, I, I got really captivated by the idea that it would be possible to amp up our minds to a supermind level. And at supermind, this is what she called aha territory and visionary thinking. So we had 6,500 leaders, 70% of whom were not perceived visionary. And we have this research that came out at about the same time saying that this idea of supermind is possible. And so we invited Tricia to come and work with us and she and I developed, we did a lot of literature review over the course of a year and we developed a working theory on how aha moments might happen. Our goal was to see whether it was possible to teach leaders how to create a more optimal headspace so that more aha moments would be possible. Right. So it's kind of about creating the right conditions and the right mindset, mind space, where these things are actually possible. Exactly. And so out of that research, we came up with a working theory around the right kind of how you might set up the right headspace. There were four practices that we came up with that we called extreme thinking. And the the reference to extreme is really kind of extreme sports rather than right. anything bad. We didn't think of that when we came up <laughs> with it. But because being creative thinking is actually quite a different process to analytical thinking. And, and this is what one of the things that we learned was that if you're, um, you know, creative thinking is really a form of insight, problem solving. And so what we call an aha moment is really an example of insight problem solving. So what if that's insight problem solving, what's the opposite? What a- Yeah, so I think analytical thinking, I started calling analytical thinking outside. Outside, okay. Yeah, and part of the reason is so when we talk about 
insight. I'll talk about that first. What the literature showed us is that insights are unexpected and they're uh-huh. unplanned. They tend to occur after a period of frustration or struggle. Okay, we've been working on something, we can't crack it, we give up, and then bang, magically, an mm. aha moment mm. happens. So they're sudden, they're unplanned, they happen to occur after frustration or period of struggle. They feel good when we get an aha moment, we get this jolt of positive energy. Absolutely, the moment of clarity kind of stuff. Correct. We get this pristine clarity and there's a level of certainty that comes with this feeling. The other thing that we find in in this kind of area is that it seems that the whole solution comes. It's not just part of one. We get the whole how. and right. It's we the get, answer. It's the answer and we feel like we're certain it will work. We've got no doubt. Now, this is what came out of the research, the literature by a guy called Mark Jung-Beeman. He came up with these dimensions of insight. So this was fascinating to me because if you ask people individually and we talk about aha moments, it's like we treat it as if it's by luck, chance or magic. On the road to Damascus yeah, or something. Yeah, wow, <laughs> it just happened. And so what was interesting to me was that we have large tranches of population, the whole population experiences aha moments in this way. So that's insight. The other thing that John Kunios and Mark Jung-Beeman, who are really the giants in this field, mm-hmm. found that it involves the unconscious or the subconscious or the non-conscious mind. They're all the parts of our brain that are out of our awareness. And what seems to happen is that the back office of our mind, that part of us that's out of awareness, takes all the data that we've got in our brain and it, it kind of restructures it and reshapes it and gives it back to us in a new form. And therefore, you get this aha moment. And I've listened a lot to aha when people have aha moments. And the next thing that they say is, why didn't I think of that before? Mm. And I think there's nothing new in the information that we've got. What's happened is we are thinking about it. There's been a shift in our thinking. And in actual fact, that's what creativity is. It's it's a different perspective, a fresh perspective on an old issue or a a new perspective, a different way of seeing things. It's not about being skillful with art and music, and it might be all those things, but really in the business world we need to start thinking about creative thinking as bringing a fresh perspective, a different angle. So that's insight thinking. If you compare that to outside thinking or analytical thinking, analytical thinking is much more of a conscious process. Mm. You are looking to come up with a single answer or a a few possibilities. So it's conscious, it's deliberate, it's gradual. It usually has six or seven steps in it. We define the problem, we're going to chunk it down, mm. we're going to evaluate, you know, the, generate the options. And so you're really in the driver's seat and you are driving towards a particular answer. It's really good if you're clear on what the cause and effect relationship between the variables are. So if it's obvious what the variables are and if it's clear what the cause and effect relationship is or you can discover what cause and effect is, Mm -hmm. then analytical thinking is is brilliant and will serve us well most of the time, most of the time. 
Where it tends to fall short a little bit is where you've not seen an issue before. There are multiple possibilities. The issue is complex, ever-changing. You've never dealt with it before. You can't see cause and effect and it's not discoverable or you just want something that's completely different. So then that's where creative thinking can be more useful, more better serving. And for me, the work that we did in research, the value of it is really about helping leaders to be more comfortable with ambiguity Mm. because you can't really think in an innovative way or be more creative unless you're comfortable with being uncertain or not having all the answers. So there's a great quote in one of John Cunios's book where he says, you know, insights are like cats. They don't come when you call them, so you've got to coax them. And that's what extreme thinking was about, is setting up, getting leaders to practice these four steps to, in an effort to coax the insight, make it easier for the insight to come. And I think that's what's interesting about it for me, because I think business has always favoured analytical problem solving, because it feels like you can control it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like I crunch this number, that number, and so on, and we will get there, right? Step mm. A, B, C. Mm. And what freaks people out about the more creative and, you know, talking about subconscious and stuff is like, whoa, you know, that's suddenly outside of my control. Yeah. But, but what I love about this is what you actually found was around the science of we can actually create the conditions and certain steps that will actually help you yeah. with creative. So it's not just it's not just purely chance that it happens, which sometimes it is at the moment, right? We yeah, just yeah. have that moment yeah. in the shower or whatever. Totally. But actually you can con- create the conditions, create the mindset all the stuff that actually is a process around creative thinking. Yeah, and I think, I don't know that we're ever going to be able to control it because it's partly a function of the unconscious mind or the non-conscious part of our brain, but I think we can create those conditions and that's what the research showed. So we did, and since then we've we've run the program in organisations mm. and people do have aha moments in the workshop. But the point is also not just about the aha moment. It's about learning how to be open to a different form of thinking, a different form of problem solving. And Mm. so we found that leaders who went through the project ended up, you know, as a group, they were 63% more likely to come up with a novel solution to a a problem. It's a lot. And we found that the leaders who followed all the practices, actually their rate of achieving that was even higher. So there is something in it, and I think it's about being open to a different way of thinking. And so what we teach leaders just in terms of the four steps and is that the first step is that what we thought happened is because aha moments tend to happen after a period of struggle, we called that the try-harder cycle. So... What happens in a try-harder cycle is that we've got an issue or a problem and a deadline and nothing that we've known how to do seems to be able to address it to our satisfaction. Mm -hmm. So we read, we Google, we Wikipedia, we talk to people. Crunch numbers. It's the analytical stuff. Crunch numbers. It's the analytical stuff. And, And it may be that we still can't find something, but the deadline remains. So what we end up doing is drinking more coffee, skip the gym, don't eat properly, stay at work longer, mm, Google out. again, stress out. And we'll do this a little bit longer until we give up. Okay, mm. We go, ah, oh, I can't handle it, and we walk away. And it's at that point 
that the aha moment comes. So we call that the try harder cycle and and we believe that the try harder cycle is actually part of the aha journey because what happens in an aha, in a try harder cycle is you're knowledge loading. You're yes. reading, you're talking to people, you're trying things out, you're experimenting. But if you don't feel like you can find the answer, your stress levels go up. And one of the things that inhibit aha moments is anxiety. Mm. And so, and in our three levels of mind, it's fragmented mind. And so you can't solve it if your stress levels go up because you're in a fight or flight thinking. And so you're more likely at that point just to do what you've always done. And that makes sense, right? I know I've been in situations where, yeah, like the proverbial SHIT is hitting the fan, (laughs) right? And you're not going to come up with some creative idea then you're purely in kind of survival mode, yeah. I suppose. That's what yeah. it is, right? Mostly. And, you know, you'll always have someone who says, you know, I was coming down to the nth degree and bang, there was an idea. Often, though, that, that's because you've been incubating it for a long time. Mm. But in this instance, we taught leaders how to recognize their try-harder cycle early, what the very first telltale signs were, how to reframe it so that they could see it as a positive indicator. So first of all, assess your level of mind. So the technique is summarised in the acronym ARCS. A is for assess your level of mind. Where are you? Are you fragmented? R is for relax your mind. And that isn't chill out, knock off work and go and surf. It's more about slow your thinking down. Now, the first thing, the easiest thing to do is to change your breathing. There are lots of different techniques for breathing. We we used one that was four, seven, eight. So we got leaders to breathe in for four, hold for seven, breathe out for eight, and to, to do that, you know, at least five times if they were feeling the need. But really, you can't do that kind of practice breathing too much. There's also a technique called box breathing, which I think seals. I'm not sure if this is true, but I've read that the it's used in the by the seals as a way of um, maintaining their breath. There are a lot of apps where you might breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four. So change your breathing. Breathing's like a natural tranquilizer. If you can slow your breathing, it tends to slow everything else down. The other thing to do is if you're in, and you can do it in a meeting and nobody knows that you're doing it, but you're Mm. actually managing Mm. your physiological response. The other thing to do is we taught people a technique called brainstreaming. And so that's a way of actually getting everything out of your head and actually turning it into a question that can help guide your thinking. So that's relax your mind. The third step is what we call constructive, creatively construct the issue. So we got people to build the challenge that was on their mind. So Lego, Play-Doh, fruit, anything that was to hand that was a physical object where they could build what was going on in their head. Is that part of the looking at it in a different way? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And we found, interestingly, that about 70% of leaders in our workshops had a breakthrough at that point in time. Mm. Interesting. Because sometimes our mind plays tricks on us and we start to think about things in a way that actually isn't necessarily the way it is. So we found that by getting leaders to externalize their thinking around the challenge, they could look at whether they could look at their assumptions around the issue or the challenge or the problem, the opportunity. They could move it around and they could experiment. And so relaxing out of brainstorming comes a really clear question that they're wanting an answer to. They externalize through physically building the problem 
And that enables them to see if they've asked the right question. Uh-huh. Okay, sometimes leaders came out saying, oh, I'm totally on the wrong angle around this. That's so, a great insight. In yeah, totally. What we're looking for is lines of inquiring, new leads, if you like, ways of opening up our mind to an issue that we're stuck on. This doesn't work if you're already 50 to 75% of the way there to an answer. So if you are attached to that answer, that mm. this may not work for you. Mm. It's really something that you're open to exploring. So constructive review, a creative review, um, using physical objects to build the issue. That was one technique. And then the last technique was when you feel you've thought about it enough, take a strategic break. When we shared that with the leaders in our study, they almost kind of fell over because what we're <laughs> saying is walk away. Sometimes yeah. the best way to allow allow your the back office, our brains, to actually do its job and to join the dots. And some of the research that was around at the time, 12, I think 2013, was that even though you've stopped attending to the problem, the part of the brain that's been activated in wanting to address that issue is, is stays online, if you like, mm-hmm. for a, a period of time. The other thing that happens is that there was research at the time to show that if you were struggling with an issue, if you took a 12 and a half minute, so, you know, I like rounding things up, so I put it to 15 minute, 12 and a half minute break, but keep your mind slightly engaged. So crossword and, you know, read newspaper, but don't keep worrying the problem, you know, really Mm -hmm. let it go that when you come back to it, you've got a, a better chance of having an insight. Now, in that period, you might open up another spreadsheet. You might go to another floor and talk to someone. But the idea is to not keep picking at the problem mentally. And, Mm. you know, I joke with people, you can't trick your brain. It will know that you are picking at the problem. (laughs) So you've got to find a way to really let go. And so that's about incubating. So my advice is that if you're stuck on a problem and you, you need something, you know, to do straight away. The kind of principles are to give yourself a break, walk Mm. away from it. We've grown up believing that if you stick with it, you'll crack it eventually. And that's not actually how our brain works. So it doesn't help. So walk away, keep your mind slightly engaged, but not overwhelmed to give it some space to let it join the dots up. The other thing that you can do is a lot of people, we asked over 500 people where they do their best thinking as part of the research. And what was interesting is no one said at work. Yeah, it was right. shower, sleeping, driving, when I'm getting and ready in the morning, running, yoga, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I think it's because the mind is in a relaxed state and in a relaxed state, your, you know, your mind can then join the dots in a different way. And so I think it's really important for people to you know, one of the, the reason it's extreme thinking, like an extreme sport, is you've got to believe that in walking away, you've got to manage your panic and your uncertainty because you've got to believe that you're going to get a response. And the leaders in our, our project who really not just believed it but expected it to happen have nailed it. They get their insight. So I think you can't just be open to it. You have to really believe that it's possible. But being open to it is a good start. The other thing is the research found that the reason we have an aha moment in the shower, for example, is that there's some white noise. And so 
one of the things to do is to cut yourself off from the noise, turn your phone off with all the distractions. Notifications. And take, and- yeah, you know, take yourself out and give yourself some quiet space so that you can turn inwards. That's why it's insight because it requires you to turn inwards to actually allow a different process to take place. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I think that's, um, you know, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And I think, especially with the way the, the world is going, creative thinking, you know, if you see all those lists of like skills today versus skills needed in the future, creativity is always it's totally at the top of that list Yeah, every time. So it's, a, it's an area where I think there's going to be more and more attention. There already is a lot, but I think there'll be more and more. Yeah. And I think, you know, design thinking's gone a long way to helping people to work together to be creative and, and leverage creative intelligence. I think what's important, though, is sometimes people bring existing thinking to design thinking, whereas mm. I think what Supermind does is help people open their mind and makes accessible a really different type of approach to thinking. Mm. Mm. And I love it because I think often people think of creativity as art as music, which absolutely is creative. But for business people, there's a whole lot of creativity in finding a different way to do something, coming up with a new and novel solutions. Yeah. Um, and that's creative too. So, absolutely. So I, I think what I like about Supermind is that it gives people a framework for doing it. So there's still a bit of that structure, but it's unleashing the unconscious mind and the creative mind for solving these problems. Yeah. So that's a brilliant interview and a brilliant overview. And um, interview, if I do say so myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so we touched on really some of the steps and so on that that you do in the Supermind Mm. program. Mm. So that's a workshop that Corinne runs Mm. um, and and trains other people to run, which is great inside organizations. I know there's been lots of fantastic breakthroughs that people have had. Yeah, and we've we've just started this year. We've um, applied some of the principles to what I'm calling Supermind Plus. And so this is a, it's a process for teams. So how they can think collectively, creatively together. It's got some things in common with design thinking, but it's a little bit different as well. It's meant more to be a half day process. So for a team that needs to think creatively on a particular issue, it's designed for that kind of context. Yeah, beautiful. So what I'll do is I'll upload a bit of information about Superline if people want to go and read a bit more. Corinne's also presented a couple of times on this, so we might have a video up there as well that you can yeah. that you can watch, and we'll have some of the some of the stuff we've talked about as well. So, if you're interested in learning more, there'll be a link in the show notes of this podcast. So just look it up in your app and and click through. Thanks for your time today, Corinne. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. Thanks for being part of our amazing community. We can only do it together with yourself. So long for now.